Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Matt Croger, and today we have just a couple of recordings from Clash of Kings Australia that we took early on the morning of the second day. We didn't do a lot of recording because we were too busy having fun. And then following that, is a recording with the eventual winner, Mr. Jeffrey Trash, uh, which was recorded just a, a day, well, two days after the event when he was nice and fresh, relaxing at home. I hope you enjoy these recordings and uh, some of them are actually going to lead to future episodes, which is excellent. So sit back, relax, have some fun and uh, listen to a couple of people from our six games at 2300 points at Clash of Kings Australia. Here we are at the start of day two of Clash, King, Clash of Kings Australia and I'm with Dale Hastings who, uh, if you've already caught up on the direct misfire overnight, so I think you played more than, more than one of the lads yesterday. You played two, is that right? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, played both of them. Um, Devonish and uh, the herd player, which was... Uh, uh, Bensom? Bensom, that's yep. right. Okay. Yeah, Bensom uh, had some interesting get-up. Yes, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Distracted by his hooves. Uh, yeah, and his beautiful thighs. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's probably why we didn't quite win that round. But anyway. And so, uh, Dale, you have brought dwarves. Yes. That's right. Yep. And you've, you've run those around for a couple of years now? Yeah. So uh, that was a project I started about six years ago. I bought an Ender 3 FDM printer and I thought, I'm going to see if this can do an army. Yep. And so I carefully chose dwarves. So I had some models lined up and... Um, yeah, over the years, I've just sort of created my own models out of these guys. Um, I think it's uh, by a guy called Dutch Mogul or um, Ill-Gotten Games. He mm-hmm. does these really basic FDM models, and, yeah, they come up all right when they're lined up. So I've been running them for about six years. They do because um, they, they've got that old monopose feel. Yeah, yeah that's what each, I was going for. Unit, yeah, I thought if they're going to be low quality, we're going to make them all line up and they're going to look the same, and we'll go for that. Yep. Yeah. Yep, and uh, so after day one, you uh, have you had any wins? I had, I couldn't believe it. First round, I won. Um, <laughs> invade. Okay. Oh, dwarves with, won. Dwarves invade. With invade. What, what were you playing against? Um, I was playing against. Uh, just trying to think. I don't have to go back. My brain is so scattered right now. It was. I'll have a look while you're yeah, brain thanks. scattered. And what we might uh what we might have a chat about, and so you hail from around Port Macquarie, that's right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's yep. correct. And so for our international listeners, that's about... Yeah, four six, and six a half fr- hours north of Sydney. Yeah, four and a half hours north of Sydney. And um, so it's it's a regional area of, of the country. Well, I mean, as most of Australia is outside of the big metro centres. Yeah. And But you guys have a pretty good group that you've managed to pull together. Yeah, so um, 
Over the last uh, two, three years, we started a group of uh, guys who were playing X-Wing and a few other board games, and um, we slowly introduced Kings of War, and that's sort of taken off. We've gone from Garage Hammer to a fully incorporated club. And, um, yeah, so two years ago we um, sat down, we got incorporated, went through the whole process of getting insurance and membership. We created a bit of an identity for ourselves. So we're the Port Macquarie Games Club and we've got our sort of team that goes out to tournaments called the Drop Bears. Excellent. Yeah. That's awesome. What, what do you feel, because it, it's grown really well in, in a region that I'm not even sure, do you guys have a game store? Or? No. So uh, Port Macquarie is a bit interesting. We used to have three game stores in our tiny town, which is about yep. oh, 50,000 people on a good day. And um, then, as expected, they all closed down one by one. Then... The closest one was Coffs Harbour, which is maybe two hours away north, and then those closed down. Mm. And so now we <laughs> can go all the way to Newcastle where there's still some, and that's about two and a half hours, three hours south, so a bit of a drive. Um, our club, we, um, we're sort of, uh, we, we do a monthly order through uh, Games Empire, and um, yeah, the club does a big order for everyone, and the club pays for postage, and so once a month the guys have their stuff regularly coming in. That is... That is an awesome idea. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. And, and so do you feel then in that area, because, you know, we always talk about how do we grow this scene more, and, and you are growing. Mm. Uh, obviously, a lot of your crowd was old, older gamers anyway that were already gaming. But what, what do you believe has been the biggest thing in terms of the push towards Kings? Um, we had quite a few players. Oh, probably the best, the best thing to actually get a, a scene growing is just having regular games. Yeah. Meeting up. Every time, at the same week, no matter what, keeping that, the club doors open and always having a game running and then also inviting other people in. And we've run a few things. We've had our own, like, um, we've had a, one of our members, Ross, he's, he's gone out and run a slow grow, um, sort of concurrent to yours just yeah. for our club. Is that Ross Novella? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, with the beautiful halfling. Yes. Charming, for yeah, someone he's else. Gorgeous. <laughs> he's painting up. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, so he does that, um, and we just keep games running. We're, we're trying to run an ambush event. We're just we're trying to get in new players, and a few guys are jumping in. And I suppose the beauty of beauty of Kings of War is that if money's an issue, you can always go down the other route and you know 3D print stuff. Yes. And as you go, introduce the uh, Mantic models, which uh, our club is actually going a little bit more for. We are going for a more Mantic uh, sort of push of late. Yeah. And uh, more of the guys just bringing in what they have um, from the range there. Yeah, awesome. That's um, that's fantastic. And you know what I'm going to tell the guys today is too, because Brad's also started ordering, and you know he's happy to do custom orders as well for people that that aren't in uh, for when there's not stock of things in the country. So, so that's awesome. It was um, it was Aussie you played in round one with that's his Ratkin. Right. Yeah, oh, that so, was so it, Ratkin. You, you somehow out invaded Ratkin well, by one point. I can see one unit strength. Well, yeah, that was it. I, I looked at his army list and I looked at number of drops, his unit strength and where it was, and I thought, nah, we've got a better plan here. We are just going to um, eliminate his biggest unit strength and we're going to punch through. And so I basically had my army formed up in columns and they just marched up the side of the board and I dropped as much unit strength on his half as possible. Yeah. Um, they really did work up a sweat getting there, but, mm. yeah, we managed to, I think we got up uh, by one or two points. Yep. And uh, the other thing I wanted to have a chat to you about that you only just told me about, but that I thought was cool because I, I think it's a, a reasonably big issue if we want tabletop gaming to continue is uh, the presence of young people in the game. Mm. And I mean, I think there's multiple reasons to that. I was talking to Selleck last night and I think, you know, um, I don't think we're probably too far apart in age, Dale. But, no, I think um, we're about two years. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, 
you know, there's certainly a lot more distractions oh, than, uh, than yeah. there used to be. We were having a, we were, when we started gaming, we were having talks about what games existed and I was talking about like gorillas yeah. that you had to fire up on the Commodore 64 and you put in angle and velocity to throw a banana at the other gorilla. Yeah, I was yeah. playing Worms and yeah. SimCity and all that and yeah. Doom, you know, the old floppy disks, we had to yeah. boot it up. It was great. Yep. But, um, but you're, a, you're a teacher yeah. and, you know, I've seen posts of yours on social media, obviously a very passionate teacher, mm. you know, about the profession and you're looking up to start a, a youth gaming group. Yeah, so... What happened was uh, until uh, till the end of this year, uh, sorry, until the end of 2023, I was working at a uh, public high school and we actually ran a games club there. So that would meet every Friday afternoon. The kids would pretty much leave classes and they'd be waiting, absolutely frothing, waiting to go to this um, games club. And we had about 40 members. Mm-hmm. So they'd turn up every week, mostly board games. We tried introducing war games, but the problem is, is as I've noticed uh, compared to when I was at high school and I went to a games club when I was in high school. Big shout out to Anthony Felton at Cherrybrook Tech. Yep. Um, which that club is still running and the club's been around for, oh, it's got to be nearly 20 plus years well, now. Well, had one of the biggest multi-game tournaments in the country outside of a like proper and inverted comments convention. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, like uh, even that convention, we're, we're gearing up to run that um, in April again. So mm. yeah, that's still going. Um, like these clubs, the, the difference is, is I think these days a lot of our students and young people, they, there is a lot more competition for their time and um, spare time is quite limited. And when you look at wargaming traditionally, especially with painting lots and lots of models, it takes a long time. Mm. A lot, it's a huge time investment, um, not only actual money. Um, I'll be honest, Port Macquarie is pretty poor. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, broke. Yeah, yeah. So kids don't have like a lot, a lot of, money of regions to in Australia. You know, yeah. outside the metro areas, there, there isn't a lot of cash going around. Yeah. And there is a lot of competition um, for um, for that money too um, compared to the old days. I mean, I've always found it amusing when I've got students in my classroom telling me, oh, my parents can't afford books and pens and I'm um, can't afford lunch today, but they're rocking, you know, a $1,000 iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really understand that. But um, anyway, so... Yeah, when it comes to war games, yeah, we've got that issue that it's a huge time in investment. Um, depending on the company you're with, um, depending on the company you're with, it, it could be um, could be quite a lot of money as well. So we're looking at ways to try and get students in there. Um, we may have to go the evil route and do some three D printing, but yep. um, we're looking at the ambush boxes as a way to get people in and uh, sort of building it up from there. Mm. So, um, which I don't know, uh, no no inside knowledge at all, but you know. Maybe that's something because I know they've got new community engagement people at Mantic now. Mm. So, um, oh God, his name escapes me. Sorry, because uh, we haven't had much of a chance to discuss because you're, you're new at Mantic. But maybe that's what we need to be, uh, Mantic could look at is, you know, who's yeah. promoting youth groups like without necessarily being a, to me, being a, an official Mantic Pathfinder doesn't really have much attraction because I'm never going to play more than one game yeah. or a couple of games. Um, but, you know, how can we promote what, I believe is currently their banner game. Yeah. You know, uh, particularly with young people, because I mean, you see that almost everyone here, I mean, we've got Henry who's 17 or 18, and we should grab him on the cast because he's playing with mates in Queensland. Mm. But you, most of the people here have been gamers for 20 or 30 years. Exactly. So it's yeah. kind of that. It's kind of, and I look at it in my own business, which is healthcare. It's, as soon as someone comes through the door, they've got a lifetime value. Oh, absolutely. It's right. the same in so, clubs. Yeah. Um, and a club that does not actively recruit and doesn't have that steady influx of new members will slowly die. Yeah. I, I mean, do. Yeah. you only have to look at some of the historical clubs running around in Australia and some of them get quite venerable at times. Yeah. And eventually they fold. Yep. 
So um, you need that steady influx of new people. You need young people. You need 18-year-old blokes and girls walking in going, yeah, I want to play this. Yep. And that keeps it alive and keeps it fresh. I love the idea of – because uh, we've – I mean, the Canberra War Gamers here have always been very unofficial. Yep. We've been asked before if we were incorporated, particularly around protection of our name and people that had old similar names. I basically said, sorry, mate. Fuck off, I'm not interested. <laughs> take, take your questions about your name and get back in your box. Yep. But um, – I love that idea, actually, because I think it, it, it brings a level of oh, – I think it, 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 it's a good way of showing your passion for it, isn't it? You know, and, yeah. and, and, and there's one thing, I, like I was going to say it at the end of today, is like every year I regard Clash of Kings from my point of view as an investment in our community. Like it's a huge time sink, huge money sink. Um, and at some point, usually along the way, I kind of go, surely this is my last year, why do I bother doing this? But each year when we come to the day or the two days, I actually enjoy myself more and more every year. It feels good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, Having yeah. that spectacle yep. out and, there. And uh, like for me, even more so, it's, it's the people that yeah. keep coming back. You know, you get to know them better and better over time. They keep returning. Um, and that's what's, I mean, I think a lot of in modern society, we've lost that people aspect, certainly the face-to-face aspect. And, mm. and wargaming is a good opportunity for people to come back face-to-face and excuse to. Yeah, and that's um, that was bringing it back to say the school clubs. That's that's why those school clubs are quite popular and uh, quite successful because the idea is you have a structured activity for people just to sit down with, even if it's a board game, and they're a lot more comfortable, especially young um, young people who perhaps are on the spectrum or have some other anxieties around meeting people and making friends. This is a nice controlled way, and it's fun and it's voluntary. Yeah, you know, you know what your interaction is going to be with uh, with this other person because you're playing a game and it's got rules. Yep. So this is why these kind of clubs take off and they really create a space for this kind of student that doesn't want to go fishing or doesn't want to kick a footy. Yeah, and, and the wonderful, the really wonderful thing about Kings is like the game is part of it, but then for those kids who maybe might not necessarily have, you know, the savant movement brains or, or whatever, right, they, they might love the opportunity to express themselves artistically on their multi-bases yeah, or, absolutely. or something like that and, you know, that might be where they get the enjoyment. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so, so I think that's Yeah, and awesome. I, I, I think uh, when we're talking about the Pathfinders before, that's, a, um, that's another thing that perhaps Mantic could look into. I know their competition does a school pack where they basically send out a couple hundred dollars of miniatures and paints and little uh, magazines, and basically there's enough for like 20, 30 students in these packs, and they send out one every year to the schools. Um, I don't know if they can match that, but something similar or another program where they can get students involved in miniature painting and playing games with them i think that's definitely the way to go especially when you start comparing the dollars you go well hang on mantic is much cheaper much better value i know where the students are going to steer towards yeah and and even potentially like you say perhaps where that's where mantic you know i know there's well actually i don't know that there's been resistance to increasing their use of the vault but maybe they should go this will be a starter army that we pop in the vault and so places like yours that, you know, that do it go, we're happy for this one to be printed for your mates. You know, we'll put it up there as a community one. Don't worry about the, you know, not every one of those six people you print it for has a vault membership. You know, this is the one we want to be the community army and, and yeah. go nuts with it. Oh, you could really limit it. You could almost do those ambush boxes kind of thing where yep. they've just got maybe three monopose miniatures. You print them out, you whack them on a base. There you go. You've got yeah, an ambush right. box. That's right. You can... You can Limited in ways like monopose, yeah. like you said. So you, you can know. actually play the game with it. It'll look like miniatures, but 
you know that you want to take that next step and go, right, I want these ones that look really cool and I'm prepared to pay for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we've just been joined by Walt. He's just sat down. I've, confu- I've uh, convinced him to the microphone after a, an initial no. And uh, but you might have... Uh, He's, he's already managed to release an episode after night, overnight via the Mantic Universe podcast. And, and Walt, I'll tell you, the most shocking thing I found about that yep. is that you knew how to use a recording device. <laughs> uh, Matt, can I just say, I remain technologically uh, inept. Yeah. You know? Okay. So my daughter actually showed me how to use okay. a record button on my phone. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Because, well... Uh, Walt's uh, one, of our, uh, one of our ones that comes up at the end of every round. He's like, mate, I'm, I'm, companion's not for me. So, you know, <laughs> so I've been rib- ribbing him all, all uh, weekend so far about his technological challenge. Yeah. But, but it is a good point, like, because we've been talking about kids and engagement in the game, and particularly in regional areas. Like, in those areas of Australia, people won't have the companion because, you know, 10 bucks a month or whatever will be too much for some. Uh, no, I think those subscriptions are quite popular, um, right. especially yeah. amongst young people. Often it's the only thing that's offered. Like, you want to play a mobile game, kids are paying for it. Yeah. All the kids talk about in school is V-Bucks and Roblox and all sorts of dumb stuff like that. Mm. So, yeah, I know that they, they're paying for that money and they're, they're paying that for, you know, those subscription services like, you know, mm. Spotify. This is just one more, I think. Yeah, okay. And yeah. I, I think it's actually... I mean, in general, I like the subscription oh, model. It's the future. I think it's a smart model. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the way to go. I mean, you know, you, you look at me personally, I, I, I love the Vault. I love, um, I love the companion app. I think it's mm. a really useful tool. I'm prepared to pay that. Um, will I rush out and buy lots of models and buy new rule books all the time? Probably not, but they're getting their money out of me anyway. Exactly. And I'm happy to support them that way. Which is why it's smart. Yeah, good steady income for the company. Yeah, I, I sit down at my business accounting every few days and I go, oh, yeah, that's still recurring. <laughs> doesn't matter whether it's like a, oh Adobe okay mm. yeah mm. I forgot about that one mm. yeah <laughs> Walt how do you go how do you find day one mate because oh. obviously you've had you've had the experience of the biggest yes. and now you're having the experience of the best uh, what can I say to that <laughs> agreed <laughs> that's the safest thing oh, you hear that Steve <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Yesterday, uh, it was pretty full on for me uh, yeah. because I hadn't played games for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I do admit, I, I went over to Clash of Kings UK, had a fantastic time yeah, and met some great players over there, not having a clue really how to play other than having a couple of test ambushes here you know, with, with our guys here in Canberra. And, um, but uh, since then, uh, basically because I'm a little bit remote as well, mm. Yeah, you just don't get the games up, right? Mm. So all of a sudden you're back in a tournament and it's full on. You, yeah. you just go, oh, my brain hurts after three days, yeah, yeah, sure. after three games, right? Mm. So, but uh, totally enjoyable. Uh, uh, it's great to, to see so many people here. Yeah, yep. And, uh, well, it's great to have you. And because, I mean, this is the thing, it's, it's, I mean, it's similar in other regions of the world, like the states and things, although they've got the density of population, I think, is... You know, theoretically, you're Canberran with us, but you're still 40 minutes out of town. That's so right. So, like, to, to get a game, it's still 40 to 60 minutes for that's, you. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm, yeah. And so, you brought your Orcs. Yep. And you've had three good games. Yeah, I mean, I've three, had three, three bum spankings, but... Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, actually, no. That's why he's got a smile on his face. Uh, no, actually, not quite true. Look, every game's been a good game, right? Yeah. It really has. And uh, the Orcs came and... Uh, I read somewhere, you know, Orcs is not really the list to take. Right? <laughs> so I thought, oh, 
Well, being a narrative player, it didn't matter to me, right? Yeah, yeah I just wanted to get the Orcs out there and get, you know, and just to do a bit of a rumble. Um, first two games, yeah, total wipeout, and then I sort of like got back into it a little bit and figured that uh, you know, angles was important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. In Kings of War, and uh, and as you actually managed to pull the third game as a win. So there you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah, well done, mate. There you go. So that doesn't bring me to the top table, though. Thank God. No, no, no. Because I don't want to go anywhere near that. No, no. No, it's a scary place to be, isn't it? Yep. Uh, and do you do you come from a like you've played game various of various sorts for many years, Walt? Yeah. For, and, and what is it about Kings that's it's currently <coughs> got you? Look, um, uh, a bit long to, long in the tooth, as you can see. Uh, not the youngest anymore, uh, but I come from same background as most of us, I would imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've done my Warhammer thing in fantasy, going back to third edition, and even ravening hordes before that. Yeah. Um, and I come out of a role playing. World, oh yeah, essentially yeah. a fantasy role play, uh, and um, yeah. So I've amassed all these armies. Do you still do that as Gandalf or something now? It's no, like, no, you know, no, no. And even if I did dress up, my things wouldn't wizard. fit anymore. <laughs> no, good try, yeah, yeah, yeah. good try, man. Yeah. Uh, no, no, not true. Uh, <laughs> but uh, look, I've got all these Warhammer armies, and uh, I thought, what a shame, you know. But I, I needed a good rule set, and I honestly. Didn't want to be led by the nose by a company to buy the next Uber unit, if yep. you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into that. Uh, and, you know, Panathor is a rich world. Uh, uh, the rule set is really good. And the community is friendly. And, you know, you know there's things like, you know, pre-measure. The rule book's not coming out every five minutes to, you know, discuss a rule or whatever. So I think, uh, I think well, that's why I'm, why I'm here. Well, in theory, you could play in a tournament every six months and you would know a lot of the rules, right? Like as in, yeah. as in it's, it's not like you would have the chance of, Jay, like of, of getting a win out of three or six games yep. yet because the, the rules, yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit much to say self-explanatory if you would have never gamed, but yes. for a gamer, you know, they're pretty simple. Oh, they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's easy to learn, hard to master, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. it's the execution, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's attractive and I... Uh, uh, if there are any Warhammer players out there, yeah, mm-hmm. take from somebody, an oldie like me, yeah. come across, give it a go, have a taste, you know. Absolutely, You yeah. may just like it. And by the way, all those Warhammer armies, yeah, that you've yeah. got, well, they're all playable. So, you know, mm. get them out of that cupboard. Yeah, this is the year, I think. I think this is our year of, of growth. Uh, and just, just lastly, well... What did Chris offer you to get amongst the masters and get some recording? Did you, was, there a, was there a little bit of money under the table, or what do you have to do to convince you? No, there's no money under the table. He said, "Oh, look, uh, uh, Chris." Just whispered in case he's listening. All right, I've yeah. got to be really careful here. Yeah. Oh, he'll be listening. Trust me. <laughs> oh, trust me. Right, he'll be listening. He said to me, "Walt, when are you, are you going to the classic classic kings in Australia?" I said, "Yes, I am." Yeah. He said, "Well, would you mind coming back on the podcast and just reporting back?" And just telling us how it went. Yep. Yeah. So yesterday, I thought, you know, I was bumping into these guys, and they're the masters. And I thought, I just took it on myself, right? I mean, hey guys. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. A bit, pretty, bit brave. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I was ready for rejection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, they said, no, well, happy to talk. And uh, so we sat around a table, and uh, I managed to push record on my phone. Yeah. And well done, you. <laughs> <laughs> and it all happened. So there you go. Oh, so no excellent. money to the table. Man. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, appreciate your time, guys, this morning. Good luck with day two. Uh, hope you have another great day. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Crozier.
here we are as uh, Game 4 is going on at Clash of Kings Australia and I am joined by Brad who is a game store owner who supports us and uh, is associated with the cafe that we have on site here and helps us organise the event every year and Elliot, his son, who's just getting into Kings of War. Elliot, I want you to kind of tell the listeners, how old are you? Seven. Seven. And you've been basically, because of Dad, you've been a gamer since birth, haven't you? Could you, could you, you could probably push models around before you could walk, I reckon. And you play a few games, don't you? Yeah, what are you, in general, let's forget about Kings of War for now. What ga- other games do you play in terms of tabletop games? 40k. Yeah. Star Wars Legion. Yeah. That's mostly it. Yep. And what, about, what about Kill Team? Oh, yeah, and also Kill Team. And Gorkamorka. What about Shatterpoint? And Shatterpoint. Wow, how do you have all this time? Yeah, and then you come in here and you help with the till. You're a busy man, Elliot. Uh, recently, I'd say last six to 12 months, you've been getting into Kings of War. Yep, and how are you finding that? Good. Yeah, what do you like about Kings of War? I like um, breaking units. Oh yeah, as in killing them, making yeah, dad take them off the table? Yeah. Yeah? Do you, say, do you yell, take it off? When no. you when you kill it, sometimes, no. sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and what what army are you playing with mostly for yourself? Elves. Elves, yeah. And what do you like about them? Anything in particular? They're really good. They're really good. Do you like that they kind of do a bit of shooting and a bit of combat? Do you have much shooting? Uh, I do have lots. I do have shooting. Lots of shooting. Lots of shooting. So you like a bit of shooting? Yeah, that's probably a hangover from your forty k and kill team. I'm guessing. Yeah. And so you like uh, shooting Dad off before he even gets to, into combat. Where's Kings of War sitting on the game scale for what you like most at the moment? Is it three. right up? Three. Interesting. All right. So what's one and two? Uh, 40K is one and um, Kill Teams two. Okay. And is that because they're more guns or what do you like about them more at the moment than Kings? Uh, I like the 40K where you can, um, with uh, special abilities, you can run, shoot and charge. Interesting, interesting, yeah. And Brad, of course, gamer from way back. I think, would I be right in saying your main course is usually um, the Star Wars game? The flight, yeah, I what, think so. What, what are we, X-Wing? X-Wing, yeah. The yeah. X-Wing was the biggest one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and of course, uh, you've recently started a new store. Yes. You know, and, and have started Stocking Kings. Which yes, is awesome. that is true. Yeah, our, our local stockist. I'd be really interested, Brad, in um, now I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you don't go through a national distributor, you deal with Mantic Direct? No, we go through an Australian distributor now. Oh, do you? Yep. Okay, yeah. That's and the big reason for carrying it now because that is an option. Okay, so it's better for you as a store owner to go through a distributor than yeah, absolutely. dealing with Direct? Yeah, Yeah, what's the benefit? So smaller orders... I don't have to do one big bulk order. I can get one or two things at a time. Yep. Uh, because if I'm, the distributor has it if, already. If the distributor has yep. it. And they seem to be doing a pretty good job of carrying stock. Who is that now? Uh, a VR distribution. Okay, so it's not Aetherworks anymore. No, no. Okay. VR distribution. Um, and because they're a, like a, a big distributor, they carry lots of different games as well. So if I have one customer that wants one Kings of War product, I can lump that in an order with some... Crisis yeah. Protocol or some Legion or some X-Wing or some paint or some dice or whatever I need to bulk up that order. Yep. Okay, awesome. And you, you've been playing Kings more recently? Yes. Know, probably yes. more than when you had your previous store. Correct. I mean, but you were probably, you know, that was a big store, a very busy man then, and not that you're not busy now, but 
you know, Kings is coming in and you're giving it a... How have you found Kings as a game I'm, compared to your gaming experience previously? I'm really liking it. Yeah. I, I think it's a good solid rule set. It's easy to get into. And I'm enjoying having units rather than models. Yes. It's a big, big thing, isn't it? it? It's huge, yeah. And Especially is that for you about like hobby or practicality? Both. Yeah. Like in terms of transport, storage, all that. Yeah. And just like the hobby options that exist uh, by, you know, basing a unit rather than trying to have individual models that you take on and off. Yeah, 100%. Elliot, that's interesting. I know you quite like painting, don't you, Elliot? Yep. Does it, does it seem a bit hard to have to paint all the models that go into Kings of War Army compared to 40K? Is that yeah. a bit of a problem? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. But you can see, I guess that's the good thing, isn't it? You can plug away at over time. Yep. And so last year, I gave you some of your elves and has Dad printed some extras or anything like that or are you still making your way uh, through Dad the original? Dad has printed me lots of... Excellent, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and what has he printed you to supplement what we got? Can you remember? What kind uh, of units? Forest shamblers, a tree and tree herders. Oh, nice. How do you like those units? Because they don't shoot. They're um, actually really good. The fur, the um, fur handle is a crushing one, defense five. But um, then the big um, tree, the tree herder, is crushing three and defense six. It is, and high nerve too, isn't it? Yeah, high nerve. Yeah, so you don't have to take it off very often. Impossible to be wavered, 18. And the normal fur handle is the... Um, Regiment is 14 impossible to be wavered, and the um, board is 17 impossible to be wavered. Awesome. Do you remember what that special rule for impossible to be wavered is called? No. Fearless. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Makes and sense. they scout, don't they, buddy? Yeah, they oh, do you scout. like scouting? Yeah. Get up yeah. in Dad's grill nice and early, yeah. hey? Yeah. yeah. How many units of forest shamblers do you have? Uh, I have three hordes. Three hordes. Wow. Yep. And all what nerve again? Uh, all seven impossible, fearless impossible, and nerve seventeen. Yeah. I tell you what. Maybe you should also have a look at the Sylvankin list, which are like elves, but the forest elves, because you could still use the same models, and they have a special upgrade to one of their hordes of forest shamblers, making them. Uh, they're called the Awakened Guardians, and they give out a rally aura. So plus one nerve to the elves around them and they're elite. So you re-roll your ones. And for those of that, of course we're in audio, but I think Elliot's face just lit up and he looked at Dad with a bit of evil glee. <laughs> uh, and Brad, like we do, we do have a fit, like one of our biggest audiences is Australian. So I'd, I'd love to tell them about what you're doing. Um, we've been really well supported um, in the in the past by the, the Queensland companies who still um, support us here today, Dave's Games, but then you're, you've are you been kicking in with Masters and this as well in terms of helping us get access to, to product. Yep. So tell people in Australia, so where can they find your stuff? Okay, so at the moment we are Small Worlds Cafe in Canberra, which is in Arendale, which is our physical shop front, and I also run Wired Unplugged, which is an online store. So... At the moment, I do have a Kings of War category on Wired Unplugged. Um, it's just the Clash of King book in there at the moment, but that will expand, and Small Worlds is looking at going online as well. Oh, cool. And would you then take them together or keep them separate? Uh, I'll see how it goes. Yeah, okay. And um, and so Wired Unplugged's website is just Wired Unplugged? Uh, it's wup, so w-up.com.au, so it's nice and short. 
Yeah, excellent. Okay. And there's a contact on there as well? Yep, there's a yep. contact email address and uh, we're super active on Facebook as well. So if people want stuff, yeah. book us a PM that way. And so what I'd encourage people to, uh, to investigate is that just because it's the book doesn't mean Brad One either doesn't have it at Small Worlds or uh, can't get it. Uh, and two, particularly if you're in a group that um, might look at a more significant order, I think we were talking about um, if it was stuff you didn't have, you can actually get a bulk order as long as it hits yeah, $300. Yep. yep. So $300 order and then um, for everyone, like Brad's ordered me oh, probably three times now, custom orders of stuff. And as long as you've been able to go direct and get it, it's been here in about a week. Yep. Yep. Even if it's come from the UK. Even if it's come from the UK. Yeah. So um, it, for me, it's been really useful. Now, you guys are taking the opportunity of a of people not being at the cafe to have a little bit of a game. So, Brad, what are you running? Uh, Kingdoms of Men. Kingdoms of Men? Yep. Yeah, and I saw you've got a bit of printed stuff. Any, yep. uh, is there a manufacturer in particular you're using for that? No, I just tend to Google what I want and then make it work from there. Um, I've also, like, the models that I had didn't come with spears, so I chopped some different models and made some spears for them. Oh, nice. What, what software do you use for that? Uh, I just did it in 3D Builder. Yeah, okay. Nice. Yeah. And um, yeah, and of course you've been dabbling with, dabbling with tokens. You gave us some for masters. Yep. I created our own. Taught myself to CAD this yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they came out all right. Yep. Actually, Elliot, we'll get, grab you a bag. I think I got a spare. And uh, right, anything else? What would you tell if there happened to be some kids listening this to this, Elliot? What would you say to them about trying to get into Kings of War? Why should they have a look at it? Because it's fun. Because it's fun. Yeah, and because you can beat up your parents. Yeah. <laughs> In a legal way. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of nods from Elliot. Yeah. And what about you, Brad, as a multi-system gamer? Like, what, what would you tell people? Uh, why is a reason to at least have a look at Kings? I, I think the rule system is really well written. It's super easy to pick up, but it's deep enough, challenging enough that understanding it doesn't necessarily mean you know how to play. Exactly. Yeah. And I think one thing we don't highlight enough is if you like a game that rewards playing scenario... Kings, Kings of War is that kind of game, you know, it's that if you don't play Scenario, you won't, like, not that everyone's tournament gamers, but even casual games, like, it's all about the Scenario. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks, lads. We'll let you get to the game. Thanks for joining me. And, uh, Elliot, smash your dad's face in, hey? He's nodding again. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Matt. At Countercharge, we want to deliver the episodes you want to listen to. So do you have an idea for the show? Send us an email at countercharge15 at gmail.com. That's countercharge15 at gmail.com. Let us deliver what you want. Here we are in the, the watch-up of Clash of Kings Australia 2024 and the now, well, the winner of Clash 2024 has been kind enough to join me for a little interview. Now that he's relaxing at home, putting his feet up, had a few beverages, had his three massage therapists work out the kinks of, of uh, defeating so many Victorians, and that is Jeffrey Trash. Thanks for joining me, Jeff. Hi, Matt. Yeah, glad to be here. And so I think, are we now triple champion of Clash? I think that is my third time, yes. 
yeah. I did do it once before with dwarves. Um, I can't remember which other list I did it with, but yeah, I did do it with dwarves a few years back. So I think I think you're our only double champion and now our only triple. So you might be set, setting records that'll never be broken, Jeff. <laughs> That'd be nice <laughs> to be. Well, I'm not finished yet. Hopefully. Well, yeah, let's uh, <laughs> uh, and certainly certainly not suggesting that you know d- 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 mm. despite how many online ribs we might have at your age, mate. You know, I think we've got we've got a good couple of decades in you yet. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I might, might need uh, Ashley, your son, to – I reckon you'll still be going when you're being wheeled to the table, mate. Yeah, yeah, the old <laughs> wheelchair champions. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we've just finished our two-day event, which is which was six games at, at 2,300 points. Uh, we ended up with uh, starting day one with 61 players and adding in the buy buster, so 62, which – I think it's roughly equal best. We might have got to 64 before, but a, right. a, a great, great turnout. Just a really relaxed room. I mean, you you probably didn't find it as relaxed, Tracy, because not, not because of bad games, but because, you know, things are often a little tenser at those top tables. But I don't know. Yeah. I just thought the room was great. I actually, that's the most relaxed I've ever been at a tournament. Mm. And well, partly the atmosphere, everyone just... Every year we get together, it gets better and better. You know, everyone knows each other and everyone's welcoming the new players in. And I think also partially I felt the pressure was off a little bit yeah. um, because I haven't done as well for the last probably 12 months. Yeah. Um, so, you know, no one expected me to get anywhere. So that was good. I, I felt more relaxed. Well, and I think we also, I mean, certainly – uh, we talked about your list on the live stream, but that, uh, we didn't have you in the top three probably for the first time ever. None of us, yes. although the direct misfire guys um, still had a had a bit of a look. And I don't know what it was. I certainly wasn't based on form for me, but I think it was just based on I wasn't sure if you got one of probably there might have been a couple of bad matchups for you, so I wasn't I wasn't sure it would make it through those. But but you know you've you've made it to the end again, mate. Yeah, it wasn't it, honestly. It wasn't the strongest list, and I would definitely make changes to it afterwards. I know that sounds funny after you win something, but um, yeah, there were there were a few few things I'd definitely change if I was running it again. Well, I'll I'll um I'll read out the list, and maybe you can maybe you can speak to it because it's certainly. Uh, what I would regard as there's there's certainly lots of Tracy elements, <laughs> mm-hmm. but then there's also some elements that are decidedly a little bit untrash, which I'll mm-hmm. I'll come back to once I've finished reading the list, and okay. that's from my point of view anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the you had three regiments of ironclad, and an inf- a horde of ironclad, which had the hammer of measure for measured force. You had three regiments of Brock Riders, each with a different item. So Helm of the Drunken Ram, Blessing of the Gods, and Boots of Striding. Two yep. Mastiff hunting packs, both with their own throwing Mastiffs. Two Steel Behemoths, one upgraded to Golok's Fury. Three Battle Drillers. A Stone Priest with Radiance of Life, uh, EJ's Periscope, Knowledgeable and Host Shadow Beast. And another one with Radiance of Life, Celestial Restoration. And before we come to the list, because some some listeners might have kind of listened to Direct Misfire, which happened to be going to air just as probably you and I were having a conversation about um, there were you know external reasons as why you couldn't get the uh, Abyssal Dwarf list yeah. onto the table as you'd hoped. 
and yep. because none of the lists had gone live, we we had a conversation that uh, that you were going to switch to this, which was which was totally yep. fine. Yeah, I actually went and apologised to them. I said, "Oh, sorry about that, guys. I I, I did change the list. It was originally Abyssal Dwarves, but uh, mm. wasn't able to get it onto the table." And so for me, this I mean. A lot of nerve in those ironclad, and I, I kind of fall into the Tracy department with ironclad versus the Defense Six guys. I love the ironclad. I think they're just so cheap for for what they are for those big blocks of nerve. The, the untracy like bits, I guess, were for me, in my opinion, were the were few items in there, Tracy, and also two units, one almost two hundred and fifty points, and one at two ninety five, and Golok's Fury, which yeah. uh, you know, a, a few years ago we wouldn't have seen you top over 200 points in any unit. Yeah, well, it depends on the list. You've played Dwarves quite a bit yourself and mm. you know that there's not that much punch there um, unless you go some of those bigger, stronger units. So you have to have something there that can deal with uh, other Defence 6 units and big hordes, etc. and uh, there's not that many tools there in the Dwarf list. Even the Brock Riders, they, they definitely improved a lot uh, with the Vengeance, and that did come into play. Uh, but on the charge, they're not doing that much damage to a Defence 5 unit. No, and it's interesting that you hear um, that you said that the Vengeance comes into play because I've, I've certainly found recently since they copped the four-point nerve um, whack on the head a couple of years ago that that now they kind of went from never being able to take off to a t- in a turn to a lot of the time they can <laughs> yeah. if, if you don't protect them from the right charges. And e- even if you do it, you know, stuff can get through. Um, yep. Is that what you found a lot as well? Yeah, well, in that last game when you, you, you came over, uh, AG had shot one mortar at one of my Brock Riders and I think he put two wounds on from the... Uh, weakness caster, mm. and he took him off in one turn. That was one mortar in yep. that weakness caster. Obviously, yep. he rolled really well and rolled the ten nerve to take him off. But uh, yeah, they can they can be taken out in one go now. So they don't always get the chance to use that vengeance. That that's right. Which was why mm-hmm. I kind of I think when I saw that change, I was like, oh yeah, like. It is good if if they're going to grind, but how often are they going to grind? Yeah, <laughs> and usually... that, it did came to you in that last game as well, didn't it? I, I heard you yeah. explaining vengeance to to AG. Yes, yeah, because mm. he, he was saying, "Oh, you're wounding on fives. I said, "No fours because of the mm. new vengeance rule. I said, "You've got all your uh, upgrades to your units. We've got a couple as well." <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I think you know this is a it's it's obvious a, a list that does. Is playing all phases a little bit. I really love a battle driller. I haven't tried. I yep. haven't tried it with host shadow beast before, and I've never tried. I've got three, but I've never yep. put three in the same list. Uh, were they your MVPs? Uh, yes, they were. There's a few uh, legends being born over the weekend through them. Uh, in one game, I uh, dropped a void lurker with one battle driller. An undamaged uh, void lurker. Undamaged void. Oh lurker. my goodness! Yeah. Yeah, yep. with Host Shadow Beast, of course. And that, that sounds like so bizarre, but uh, I think I did four wounds with the Host Shadow Beast and mm-hmm. I think five wounds with the Battle Driller itself Yeah, uh, because they're only Defence 4, so that's easier. Yeah, I was going to make um, that point. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then with the brutal two, that brought it up to eleven, and I got the eight twice. So when you all add it up, it's not as far fetched as it seems at first. No, but, well, what's an eight uh, twice? About a thirty percent chance. So it's like it's yeah. not minuscule. No, no, it was no. it was good dice all the way through it. Good mm-hmm. dice for to for the uh, host shadow beast. Good dice for the for the driller itself, and then good dice on the on the rolls to take it off. So, but yeah, that that was uh, that was definitely one I'll remember. Yeah, <laughs> I think your opponent will too. That was was that Andy Whitehead. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. If I didn't take it off that turn, I, I was going to kill it, kill it the following turn because I yeah. turned one of the still behemoths round and he wouldn't have been able to get out of it. So, no, but like still. you say, that 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 defense four makes a difference. Like I remember yeah. uh, in one game, almost shooting one off with two flame belchers, you know, which have no piercing, but and that it's got stealthy. But if you can have a good to hit roll. You'll, you'll yeah. sneak enough. You can sneak enough through to put it in danger. Yeah, yeah well, that's 30 shots. It's definitely yeah. uh, mm. going to do some work if you roll well. The, the other thing I questioned about your list, Tracy, is as as a dwarf player is, to me, I've never found, say, like, and I know you've got the combo with the behemoths, but I've never found, I tend to kind of be uh, either bulk mastiffs or no mastiffs. And right. so you've only got the, the two. How do you yep. find having just the two Mastiffs went for you, as oh, in look, the throwing you know, Mastiffs, that is? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, that that was one of the things I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, a few people had mentioned probably wasn't best on the on the Mastiffs themselves, having it on them rather than the units, which I tend to agree, but it did give you the extra range. So yeah. it gave, gave me the 18-inch threat. I've never taken them without. I, I'm with you. I, I, I think the extra range can be really good because yeah. often you're not charging with the Mastiffs anyway. No, that's right. They're, I'm using them, them to block up a, a unit so I don't get multi-charged, etc. Mm. Um, but, yeah, in yeah. some games they were brilliant. I, I think uh, against Yarn, I, I took off uh, one of the Wranglers, you know, the individual. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, took yeah. that off with one one lot of Mastiffs, so <laughs> that was pretty lucky. But that that was a, a massive uh, turn just there, taking that off, because he could have called, you know, it, once he got into the Drillers or my uh, Stone Priest, he, he would have made a mess of them. Oh, and the, the, the Wranglers can be just one of those units that if they go the six turns are just so harmful. So, oh, like, they can be yeah. a really key part of the list, can't they, when they're in there? Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a yeah. lot of individuals, which, again, is very unusual for my list. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you did. You mentioned you'd, you'd maybe think about the Mastiffs on the Mastiffs, but you also yep. mentioned that there are other things you'd changed. What, what, do you, what would, you, would you be thinking? I think the main one, I only had the three inspiring units. So, one, I would definitely look for another inspiring in the list. And then one of those three, because he had the celestial restoration spell often couldn't get close to the units to inspire him because he's always moving backwards to get it you know healing something else because of the indirect rule that's right so that really did not work Mm. so that 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 caused the problem was i hadn't had any practice with the list i i'd I'd done all my practice with abyssal dwarves and then uh, as I said, when when I couldn't put it on the table, I just saw what models I had at home and put the list together out of that. 
But um, yeah, so some mistakes were made, and that if I had a practice, though, I would have I would have realised that. So what 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 would go in instead? Do you think? I know it's putting you on the spot, but no, no, you could easily leave him with the radiance, which is is great, and maybe put in uh, Bane Chance or something like that. I probably would put uh, one of the lords on the large beast back in. Yep. Um, because they, they are good. It's another form of inspiring. Even though they take off, at least they're giving you that inspiring in the early part of the game. And I think they would combine well with the Brocks because yeah, because I had the two slow uh, Stone Priests, I can't uh, inspire those units if they do take off and charge something. So it's you need something that's got a little bit of speed. So I think I'd have to put that in. I'm not sure what I'd lose. Uh, probably one of the Brock units would have to go somewhere. Yeah. Would you keep the three drillers? Uh, yes, if I'm running the list, yeah. They they were the big difference in a lot of games, e- even without Host Shadow Beast. The fact that you've got an individual that can run into something and stop it in place uh, till other units can come over. It's, with the Host Shadow Beast and, and the driller going into a combat, I'm looking at a plus seven to even eight on average to that combat. So yep. that explains why things just get turned on their heads. You know, you just I'm breaking units that people don't think I've got any chance of doing. Yeah. Yep. And so, I mean, the other unusual thing about your run, Tracy, which I, I doubt has ever happened before, but mm-hmm. if, out of six rounds, you played six Victorians <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and slayed them all. Yeah, they look. There's a lot of great competitors from Victoria. That's that's part of the reason. Um, I didn't get the usual ones that I would expect, like Stephen. Of course, he must have run into something. Maybe some bad luck. I'm not sure. Earlier on, so I didn't get to play him. Um, yeah, there's a lot of other good players, but Victoria does have a wealth of good players in there. So once I got to the top, I wasn't that surprised. And so we'll we'll do a very quick recap of of uh, of your six games and kind of what you played. And so your your first your first game was against Danny Bird, who was running his beautiful halfling army. And when I walked around around about turn three or four, I thought you were up against it here. Oh, I was losing badly. Mm. Yeah, and that was in oh, damn. I didn't bring that, that was in Vade. It was in Vade, was it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Turn five, to give you an idea, I had no unit strength on his side. He and I only had two unit strength left in my army. <laughs> he had thirteen unit strength left, and uh, ten of it was on my side. That was at the end of five. So, how did that get turned around? I just killed everything. <laughs> <laughs> killed everything, and then on. Turn six, I still would have been a draw because I couldn't get anything across. Turn seven, I got across with the... Ah, okay. So that was a classic case of um, it was seven really helped you out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, they got me the win instead of... Well, draw to win, yeah. Yeah, it would have been a winning draw because he had nothing left. But um, Mm. I think I killed the last unit on seven, but that was the one that was on his side. I concentrated on the ones that were on my side, obviously, first because they, they were the ones that were scoring. But everything was quite badly damaged in his army, so 
it was just a matter of finishing finishing them off, uh, which the battle drillers uh, helped in that that side of things. Well, and this is the interesting thing that I frequently have said about a lot of dwarf lists, although they've had some help with things like shield breakers now, is that often they don't win big. And mm-hmm. I think you've got plenty. And so I think I'm pretty sure a draw probably would have been enough that the rest of your wins wouldn't have been big enough to compensate, although yeah. it means you would have played someone different. So who can say for sure? Yeah, that's right. Changes um, the whole thing. Yeah, changes everything. But, um, you know, you, you had a couple of very tight wins because I'm just looking at the scores there and that looks like it was a 15-6 under blackjack. So And yeah. the swing was on attrition, not on scenario. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. right. Yeah, it was a close one. I think uh, Damien was the other one that was very close. Yeah. And so then round two, you got to play another beautiful Mantic army from Yan Lai, who's also a, a, a play tester. And so he brought his Mantic ogres. And uh, the scenario for that was Fool's Gold, so with, with 10 tokens. Do you like the bluff scenarios, Tracy? Yeah, I like all the scenarios. I, I enjoy all of them. And the more variety, the better, because some of the armies that do skew too much will have trouble on some of the scenarios, and that that helps bring them back to the field. So, mm-hmm. And that includes myself. If I skew a list too far one way, I struggled with uh, scoring units and amount of unit strength in this tournament, and that was partially the way the list was built. So um, it's yeah, not... You had- 500 and something points in those two behemoths, didn't you? So, Yeah, and then all those individuals. So I'm used to a lot more scoring units, so that'll be the first thing I, I change. I won't be playing dwarves next, so I'll be something else, but I'll guarantee it'll have more unit strength and units, scoring units in it. This ended up at being a, a, a largish win, and so you, you already mentioned where you managed to take out a Wrangler with a single yeah. Mastiff. Yeah, Were there was- some other key turning points? Uh, yeah, on the left flank, um, I think I had a regiment of the ironclad, one of my Brock rider units and a driller on that side. And we had a, an impassable part that sort of narrowed it down so only one unit could get through at a time. He had uh, siege breakers and chariots coming down that side. Mm-hmm. And oh, and he had, he had one of the regiments as well. He sent a regiment up, uh, and I flanked it, and then he came into the regiment and killed that. Then my driller went into his siege breakers, and I wavered them with the battle drill, and that was that was a massive turn. I think I I did five wounds with the host shadow beast as well, and then so seven with the brutal, and rolled the eight and got the waver. Oh wow, yeah, so, and, and they're often such a particularly if you you know land um, Yan doesn't typically. You know, he, he likes to run a nice balanced list. So yep. if they're your only unit of Siege Breakers, often they're a really critical point of the line, aren't they? So getting that one yeah. can be Yeah, um, can he, be he did really have two helpful. of them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, very balanced list. And, like, you know, he, he's, he's an old friend of mine, like from a lot of UB tournaments and also games down in Victoria. Yeah, I think I had a little bit of luck on those couple of things. He had a little bit of luck on a few others, but... Uh, yeah, they, they were the two main ones. Um, I think I think the main one for him, he shot my horde off. He rolled really well and, and took it off, I think, uh, not the first turn, but the second turn. 
So yeah, that, okay. that looked pretty bad for me, but then I turned it with the with the waiver and then followed up with um, taking both siege breakers out in one turn. So yeah, okay. That, and, yeah, and that I, I tell you what, because that that then puts you in line with I reckon you you've played three of the three of the nicest guys on the scene as well because they're yeah, it was three fantastic. Andy Whitehead for directing this fire with <laughs> in uh, pillage five five counters in his. You know, what he says is a scarecrow suit, but I thought it might have been a penis suit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's a, he's a real gentleman. He's a, he's a top bloke and a very, very good uh, general as well. Well, he was yeah. running a Night Stalkers list that essentially, I think it had no repeats, right? It was almost one of everything. Pretty much, yeah. It, mm. I think it was too. Yeah, you're right. Had yeah, a, and at that point you were both on 35 points from your first two games. Right. Yep. Yeah, I know we and weren't we, on the top table. I think we were table two at that stage. You were maybe? table two, yeah. And we were playing pillage five counters, and it it was uh, it was interesting because because L- Luke Schaefer comes up to me and goes, "Pillage is seven tokens," and I said, "No." <laughs> said he, and he said, "Blackjack, you know, blackjack does it as seven tokens." I said, "No, it doesn't. We wrote this. We wrote the spreadsheet with it, spreadsheet with every iteration. Uh, we're doing yeah. five tokens and." as far as I'm aware, that the companion can do it because that's why you have to put in the amount of tokens. So, right. yeah, I, I just wanted, when I when I did this one, I wanted to get away from the typical seven. I, yep. I don't think there's an issue with doing non-max. I think the point for usually is just have every table doing the same in my head. Yeah, I so, agree. Yeah. yeah. No, so that's good. I, there's no advantage or disadvantage. People complain, oh, look at the, look at the table I end up getting, you know, and I've got, Lots of shooting and I can't see anything, or but everyone's getting the same thing. So well, can't. and I think if you if you always do something like seven, right? It even more so than well, not sorry, not even more so, but in addition to uh, scoring systems affect list building, right? But if if yep. people have a certain expectation of scenarios, it also affects list building. So I don't want yep. always, that always to be the same thing. So in theory, if we're always seeing max tokens, you see uh, bias towards you know, even higher drops or, yep. you know, just, just trash-type armies, potentially. Yeah, and look, in the rule book, it is anything from five to seven. So, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is a random amount normally in your normal games. So it definitely doesn't have to be seven all the time, that's for sure. No. So w- was there anything that, again, this has ended up a decent win for you? I'm looking at, so a swing of three, one on scenario, two on attrition. So... That's a 17 yeah. four, so not a huge win. So yeah. um, any memorable moments from playing against Andy's Night Stalkers? Well, one, as I said, the one with the Void Lurker, mm-hmm. that, that was a big one. So what, what happened, he, he went stronger on the left and I went stronger on the right. Uh, he won the left, I won the right, and I won the middle. And then I started sweeping over and he ended up just backing off because I had too much for him to deal with. Uh, I think one of the other big ones was he's got first turn and just brought everything up in my face, out of charge range, but in my face, and I just stood still and Golok and some throwing Mastiffs uh, went into the uh, flying unit. What's the one? There was a lot of controversy over him before. The flying Our, um, large Soul Flayers? Yes. Soul Flayers, yeah. Yeah, and I took them off in... In one go with shooting, that that was a bit of a shock to him. Um, 
because he was out of range for for any uh, inspiring, and uh, yeah. the dogs didn't care about you know, stealth. And I think uh, Gollocks might have got five hits and five wounds. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, and, and then yeah, I think they just rushed him a little bit, and uh, I was able to to win that centre part. But that that would have been the major difference. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting because um, you you do hear people wonder sometimes if things like the the dogs are too good without taking penalties. But in my mind, one it's a compensation for dwarf lack of speed, so it allows you to exert yeah. some threat. But it's also a, a good way to keep those item uh, those armies like Night Stalkers in check a little bit, isn't it? Because yeah, uh, it doesn't get affected by the stealthy. No, that's right. Everything in the game should have a counter. Yeah, no, I was going to say, whenever you get a unit that is virtually unbeatable, then that's what ruins the game. So yeah. uh, they can all be, you might have a, a certain unit that's very tough for your army, but another army will be able to take it out one way or the other. Yeah. So that does balance the game out. So that had you in second place at the end of day one, two points mm-hmm. behind Damien Madigan, who, of course, was your yep. first opponent up on for round four. And we were playing Plunder, which is the five loot tokens across the centre. And Damien was running Salamanders with some big blocks of infantry himself. And this was yep. really tight. This was yeah. really tight. You only won by one scenario point. So yeah. Uh, and and I I had to make a decision for you guys on something. And I I I it's my biggest fear as a TO when I make a tight <laughs> decision like that that could go either way that it swings the outcome of the game. Yeah, the decision was was fine and it was right. I was happy. For him to do it, I just didn't think he could get in the angle to hit mm. the left side unit, but I was happy at the angle that he could go in, overrun into the right-hand unit, which was the, yeah. the horde. As it was, uh, he didn't break the battle driller anyway. No, no. So and I've, I've found that with and that was his fire elemental on your battle, battle driller. Yeah, I've, the greater I've, fire elemental. Yeah, yeah, I've always found that with the fire elementals myself. You kind of, at face value, you go, oh, yeah, eight hitting on threes, crush three, that's going to wipe something out, but it's always yeah. a risk. You know, it's always a risk. That's right. He didn't roll that well for the hit, and yeah. then obviously whatever he hit, he wounded, but there's still 10, 12. Um, exactly. You're still going to need at least, most of the time, at least a five, if not more. On the yeah. nerve, so yeah. So what what stood out in this game because it was was tight. Again, we had a left flank, right flank. It was a standoff on the right. We recover, couldn't really move out without getting charged. Mm. Um, I had the the Brock Riders on that side waiting for him to come out. I didn't yeah. realise it was recover till near the end. I, I was <laughs> for whatever reason I was thinking it was another dragon. So it's I a big thought, difference, oh, mate, because Rakawas is only speed six. That's right. So I'm <laughs> sitting back, but not outside of 20. I was asking him to come in because I thought, well, he's not going to break me in one go, uh, mm. hopefully. And then I had all these counters set up if he did, and he couldn't get line of sight to, to get out of there either. Um, so that was a bit of a standoff. On the left side, he had one of the dragons, uh, the big horde of unblooded, and a little red, a uh, little troop, I think, of uh, the Gekatars. Um, yep. And I had one of the Brock Riders, uh, I think it was the dogs on that side, and one of the still behemoths, but not Golok. He ended up uh, winning that flank, um, mainly because he brought one of the hordes of 
uh, fire elementals over and they popped the still behemoth in one go, which was a bit of a shock to me. Oh, wow. Uh, From the front? No, no. He got a flank, but even in the flank, uh, that was one of the cases where their inspiring was more than 12 inches away because he's off trying to heal something else. Got it. So that that's one of the standouts of where that is a problem. Mm. Um, again, not beyond the point of uh, possibility to, to take it down, but um, I think average is about seven wounds and yeah. I'm 17, 19 nerves. So, yeah, I didn't expect it to go in one. But anyway, I lost that flank. Big crunch in the middle, uh, which I ended up winning. Uh, so that gave me three of the tokens, mm-hmm. and he had two on the other side. On the end of turn seven, uh, he went for his dragon into the rocks that held one of the counters. If he broke the rocks, then he would win the game because yep. he would win 3 2 because he'd had time then to move the fire elementals up to pick up the second token. And uh, he needed a 10 twice. He got it on the first roll and then uh, obviously a lot of tension on the second one. But yeah. He turned his back and threw the dice behind him and rolled a five. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, no. So that's how close that was. It was yep. And, I mean, it's what we say about the big tournaments, isn't it? You don't, you don't win without a, big, a bit of luck, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the main thing was I didn't have bad luck this tournament and that's, that's yeah. what's really been crawling me for the last uh, few things that I've been in. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And so, yeah, and so that was, again, a a smallish win of a 15. Um, And then we we came into, for anyone that's been looking at the live scores, it was listed as pillage seven tokens, but it was because the companion hadn't been updated with the new scenarios, and I really would have loved to play both, but stockpile because it's got seven tokens we could score it the same so i put it in as pillage and we played stockpile and this was where you were against uh ben rantle of direct misfire and his fancy boy hurt yes and um yeah healthy win in the end what what did you think was your when you looked at his list did you think there was a main advantage you had or did it worry you well, the, the biggest thing, I think, he had the speed over me with the couple of flyers and then he had the character who had the wild charge aura. Yes. Which he yeah. could fly to wherever he wanted and then give them the extra. So I had to sort of calculate that into a lot of things. Um, yeah, it's a massive bubble, isn't it? And, and, and It is. And unlike most of those auras in the game, it's rare to get one that affects everything. Yeah. 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 Mm. So that, that was uh, a nice bit of list design on his part. I think because he had to spread out and he waited too much on the left flank. I had a, a regiment of ironclad and one of the Brock riders threatening one pool of tokens, but he ended up with about four or five units over there. And that gave me the advantage in numbers. I ended up cleaning up the right and the centre. Um, I did set him up for something. Um, I'd moved one of the behemoths in a position which gave a flank to one of his flyers on the hill and left a gap. And when he saw it, he was like, oh, I think I've got the flank on your behemoth. I said, oh, yeah, looks like you have. (laughs) And 
<laughs> it's an old, old saying, never <laughs> never trust a, a mistake that I make because it might be Yes, yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would yeah. definitely be second-guessing that. <laughs> yeah, and I had a driller set up behind for the counter and I'd already did the maths on it and it's, you know, it it's, shouldn't do any more than about six or seven wounds. So, again, you know, double six twice to take it out. So he lost that one there. Um, his chariot hero went into a unit of dogs and couldn't kill it in two oh turns. Oh, goodness. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. And he was saying the same. He said, I can't believe it. And I said, well, look, when you do the maths on it, you only got five attacks. Yeah, and so, once it loses, it's thunderous. Well, it's not even that. He wavered me on the first one, but oh, five okay, attacks. Yeah. He's hitting three times. Yeah. So he's only getting two to three wounds. Yeah, they're 11, 13. That's yep. right. That, mm. That's the difference. So eventually, once I'd cleaned up other things, I got the flank on that. Um, I made a mistake when I reformed. I thought I'd shut down his uh, brutes, guardian brutes, I think they are. Uh, but he was able to get just past the edge of the dogs and pivot and get into my uh, Brock riders, and he took them out in one go. Obviously, the brutes died straight after, but uh, it was still a mistake on my part giving him that. But he, he just had the Hydra left and he was uh, running backwards in the corner with the tokens that he had and because that's that's all he had left. So I think I had three games where they only had one model left in them, so that was one of them. And I think it's one of the, although Benson had probably a little bit more Def 5 in his list than some herd lists, but it is one of the weaknesses of the herd, isn't it? A lot of it is yes. Def 4, so... Because you've yeah. got so much, you've got resilient blocks of nerve, there is that good chance that they just bounce off and then get swamped. Well, that's right. Yeah, he did go yeah. into a lot of combats that he didn't break. I don't think he he didn't make mistakes in his play. I think he'd probably agree that um, the way he set up was probably disadvantage, uh, disadvantage to himself. Um and it probably wasn't the best scenario for his type of list. No, it's probably one that is better off being able to focus on a little bit of a smaller portion of the board and just win it hard, I guess, rather than spreading yeah. out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. And so that took you five from five and five Victorians down, you know, and, and yep. all, I mean, the thing is, is there's, they're all solid players who you've played through the weekend. Yeah. And that brought you top of the pops. 13, 13 points ahead going into the last round. So basically, okay. as as long as you didn't lose big was was pretty much. Oh no, sorry, because I didn't. I didn't. You'd already played Damien, who was actually second. So yes. you were nine points ahead of Damien. So so you couldn't. I mean, you might not have looked at it, but you couldn't really afford a draw. And as as is usual with the big two days, I like to end on kind of a little bit of an easier scenario in terms of working it out. And we we had yep. dominate. And and when I saw you matched up with AG, I just thought, uh oh, here come yep. the mortars. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Dominates probably. I, I would imagine. I haven't. Um, I haven't interviewed him. I don't think for a long time. But I'd, I'd imagine that that would be one of his favourite when he's running triple mortars. Yeah, well, he knows where everything's going, and they were shooting the whole game nonstop. Mm. Um, the one thing he, he said to me, do you think, did I think he made any mistake? And I said, not really any mistakes. It was more that um, because he was shooting all the mortars down the centre, he, he came down both flanks. 
and that meant I always uh, had stuff he had to keep the, the line of sight clear, fighting yep. outwards. I said that would be the only difference, but I, I said I understand why you did it, and it did work because he was bombarding the hell out of me. He took the, as I said, he took the Brocks off first turn again, mm. partially my mistake for not having someone there to inspire them. Again, that lack of inspiring uh, yep. and some good roles. Um, I think his best one, he put two mortars into the horde and he got four out of four hits. Then he rolled triple, uh, like three wounds each and one two wound. So yep. that was uh, 19 hits from two wow. mortars and he did 14 or 15 wounds or something like that. And Yeah, he needed a four to pop him but rolled the three. And it's... Uh, uh, it would be really interesting to be able to replay that and what if he, like, took all these shots at something like Golok early, right, and managed yes. to take that off because with the amount of grotesques and things, he can probably actually go through the rest of your unit strength. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. his units coming into me, other than the Brocks, he had he had the advantage in speed. Uh, so he was targeting all my Brocks first with yep. the mortars. And, yeah, which makes which sense. Which I thought yep. was, yeah, it did make mm. sense because I could outspeed him and I'm not sure that they, I don't think they win a, a grind against uh, Grotesque, but so. Uh, no, no, I agree. I, I yeah. reckon, yeah, yeah, you could, it's so hard, isn't it? Because you never really want to allow a charge on your heavy hitters, but I reckon you could almost with Grotesques because, and, and then just smack them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. I had to take them out with multi charges nearly every time, and the the that's where the behemoths came into play. They they helped a lot in that. Um, they took off most of the chaff to mm. start, and then they got into some of the combats and were taking out his main units. And uh, in the end, it, it came down to uh, on turn seven if he could break a battle driller. On that, break the behemoth that he had in the front of him and overrun. I said to him at the end, I said, I wouldn't be too worried because I don't think even a six-inch overrun would have got him in there. But mm. um, that that's what he was playing for, and obviously you go for everything you can. Uh, yeah. But he didn't break the behemoth, so, and then I killed the, the unit back. So he, d- he didn't have a lot of luck on his regeneration, so right. that, that helped but he had a lot yep. of luck with the mortars. I think he had one turn where they missed just about every one of them. But um, And, um, yeah, it was 1-0 on, on scenario yes. points. In, I had one unit strength. Golok standing in the middle with nobody yep. else. Yep. yep, that was it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was tight. I watched I watched turn seven of that and, you know, my heart was in my mouth for both of you. And, and you alluded to it earlier, actually. I reckon it's yeah, – I'll, I'll be interested to see if we see it persist in terms of this change but I, I actually really hate the weakness spells in the couple of armies where it can damage as well yep. um, yeah um i kind very, of feel yeah. like it's a really powerful spell already but then being able yep. to put on damage is just I, I find it a bit much well the the thing is because you're casting weakness there's no there's no cover there's no nothing you put into combat you can do everything with it. it's you often know, doing it with piercing one or something or yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it is it is too good for for mm. the points. There's no doubt that that that's the main problem. Is it wouldn't be too bad if it did have some 
some things like not putting it into combat and uh, paying cover. Yeah, it needs some sort of drawback, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, like a yeah, lot of the exactly. spells. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's like a supercharged um, lightning bolt that yeah. causes weakness. It's like, yeah, yeah, and it's not it's not that expensive in a lot of the lists. No, no, that's right. It's 90 points for the uh, Abyssal Dwarf one. But, um, yeah, AG played a good game and he, he had a, a good strong list. Uh, I I still hate mortars to this yeah. day. <laughs> I think I anyone that's been pounded by AG's mortars hates oh, mortars. Yeah, he's just so good at rolling them. Well, and because he's so he's so used to them, his target selection and how he places them, other than maybe being able to use them differently in that scenario, is typically yeah. impeccable. You know, he knows yeah. exactly where they can see what they can do. He's, you know, he's really good at it. Yeah, no, that's right. I, I said to him, I said, oh, do you remember when you took my tree man off turn one with your mortars? <laughs> he goes, that's right. Yeah, I said, I couldn't yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That, I thought he's probably got it framed on his wall, Tracy. Probably, yeah. probably. We, we keep running each into each other uh, on the final round on table one quite often. So, uh, Oh, yeah. I, I think you are personally responsible for a few of his bride, bridesmaid stresses, mate. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, multiple ones, yeah. I'm afraid. But he, he said, oh, I'm going to grudge you, but that, that's about three or four people told me they're going to grudge me. Yeah. And I said, oh, <laughs> just so he doesn't have to play me at the end. And I said, yeah. I really like to not grudge where where possible, just so I can meet new people and yeah, you know. Well, I and, end up and, with anyway, so well, and the results showed the value of winning six games. So yep. you were because because AG lost his first game against Michael Clark, um, yep. and managed to get back to, to to the top table, which shows you that he was winning big. But in the end, you were the only player that won all six. Uh, Damien won five as did Matt Curtis, who was in third. And then we get down to, I oh know, there was the next one down, Adrian Scott, so he must have had some big wins because he had two losses. And then after that, Stephen Devonish only had one loss. Um, but then we're getting into, like, mix of losses and draws. So Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, at our size, I, I kind of like the idea of having enough rounds that one person wing it all. If we get any bigger, that won't happen anymore. But, yeah, so, so again, congratulations to you, mate. I guess the last thing I'd like to do is just get your opinion on kind of the state of the game in terms of armies. Do do you have a feel, and maybe beyond your own list-building style, but do do you have a feel of maybe top three lists as a whole in the game at the moment, of what, in your opinion? I think uh, it's still out on as far as the Twilight Kinner. I haven't seen enough of them, but some of the lists I've seen are extremely scary. But I, I can't say for sure where they'll end up. Um, Salamanders have really improved a lot. They're, they're a, a very strong army. I put them up near the top. Um, Undead's probably slipped back a bit. Um, I'm not exa- They probably didn't get that many improvements. I know they got that extra charge, but that often just leads people to doing yellow charges out and then they lose the units they do it with, so... That's not always a bonus. Ogres are still in a great place. Um, yeah, seems pretty balanced across the board. For yeah, what, I, I, I think like 
what what your answer there gives evidence to is I think we've got a lot in that. We might have one or two that drift to the very top, but then we've got a lot in that second, that next rung down, don't we? That all yeah, feel yeah. like that they're quite powerful. I, oh, I agree yeah. with you on Twilight Kin. I almost think it's. I think it's a really good list, except that there's a couple of abusable options. But but exactly. I think also part of the problem is is that they're almost all singing and dancing and that I think they could give for some people quite a bad new player experience because there's oh. so many things that interact with others. Definitely, yeah. 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 I saw a game where the person had 36 lightning bolts and then uh, the weakness spells and also the one that pushes you back as well. And the, that, the wind blast, uh, yeah, the wind blast spell as well, and that, and then if you did get close enough, there was all those defense six impaler units. Yeah, and and, and, and I think even things like when you just add on top of that something like blood hex, right, almost yep. feels unnecessary. You know, it almost yes. feels like it almost feels like all of most units have an inbuilt counter to their natural weakness so they might be melee four but you can give them they've got elite and then you can give them vicious do you know <laughs> yeah um and I, and I just think new players won't pick up on that so I, I think we'll see their use increase and they might just have to be toned down a smidge i don't think it's one thing in particular i think it's just probably it's been a little bit too full hog on the on the rules yeah it's either that or we have to start adjusting our armies to Hundred percent. That's the other yeah. argument, right? Is it just takes a while for for people to change what they're doing in response? Yeah, yeah. Mm. There's, yeah, there's a lot of items and types of units that you can take, which will be more uh, beneficial against that sort of list if, if it becomes a problem. My, my, uh, you said that you didn't rate me for the top three, and I don't blame <laughs> you. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have either. On especially yep. on list design. The two f- big flying lists were probably the scariest ones for me. Yeah. Uh, but I never got to play them, so. No, you know, because I think Luke, Luke took a couple of losses. He ended up down at uh, 26, so he lost to Ben Randall and Matt Curtis and Paul Collins, so he went three and three. So they right. did you some favours there, I think, mate. They certainly did, yeah. 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 Um, well, I got, I'd fight them, but I... I I wouldn't have been. It'd be a lot harder, wouldn't it, with Dwarf List? Yeah. Yeah. And I think... um, Adam, was it? Adam Story? Adam Story, yeah. So he finished a bit higher in the end, um, but he started with two losses. So Oh, uh, really? He went three and three as well. So, yeah, he lost to Matt Selleck and then to the New Zealander with Dwarves, Rob Sadler. And event, and he also lost Evan Ferris later. So he went three and three as well. But, yeah, I'm, I'm finding in list building at the moment playing a little bit on UB against international people and others is that uh, I'm having to change my list building towards, you know, having dedicated character hunters almost, either yeah. hunters or, or options for taking them out because of things like Twilight Kin. Yeah, I, and um, I'm finding my biggest thing is the amount of shooting that's out there. Um, it's not in every list, but there's enough of them out there that virtually shoot you off the table. and. Yep. It's not the most enjoyable way to go out, so I'm starting to try and design things to counter that. Well, I think we also didn't see, like, um, I'm not sure who Matt Truella played, but Jason pulled out who had the Ravager Heavy with heaps of Wind Blast and Enthrall as well. I think there's, right. there's probably a really nasty new player experience in there with pulling things yeah. out, shooting them and pushing them back. Um, yeah. 
So it'd be interesting to see if we see anyone kind of take a, a more heavy version of that at some point as well. Yeah, I have heard them talk about that. And mm. as you say, most of the people I play are international ones. So, yep. and they do seem to be even heavier than on the shooting side and those sort of things than what it is here in Australia. So, um, mm. which is, I'm glad. I'm glad we have a, a more mixed sort of uh, group. We'll get a few occasional ones that are a little bit over the top. Um, and I'm sure I've done one or two over the top in my times. Um, but it's not its not a consistent thing throughout. All right, Jeff. Well, I really want to thank you for giving up your time on your on your Monday afternoon, mate. I'm, I'm also on my day off. I always try and take a day off after Clash to the weekend yeah. after Clash to kind of recharge. Um, yeah. So, you know, a, a congratulations again and, a, and really appreciate your time. Yeah. Oh, well, at the end of the day, you know, we really need to thank you and people like you that take the time to put these events on because without them and all the work you put into it, you know, we, we wouldn't have anywhere to to go to these great events. So uh, I'm more than happy to help in a little way whenever I can. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate that. So that concludes our coverage of Clash of Kings 2024 in Australia. Until next time. Keep countercharging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.